So my great friend, my mentor was back in town and so we invited him to come up and share his story with us. So you guys please welcome Scott as he comes up to the stage. Wow. <laughs> you look around you here, guys. This, this is not happening anywhere else in the world right now. You guys are absolutely amazing. Give yourselves a hand. It's, it's unbelievable. And, and that worship was off the hook. Thank you, band, and thank you, Jesus. Um, join me in prayer. Lord, um, you are God and you are faithful. You're faithful, your grace is amazing. Uh, your power is incomparable and your love is everlasting. Would you reveal yourself through my story to whoever needs anything tonight? Whatever they need, would you meet their need and would they hear the hope that is found in you? In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, I am a believer in Jesus Christ who's in recovery from alcohol and drugs, and my name is Scott. Hey, Scott. Uh, today I'm a believer who is grateful that I'm in recovery from addiction, and here's why. Psalm 103 says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. As I share my story tonight, may you hear the hope and power in God's benefits so that you might consider what he has to say to you through my story. Psalm 34, 14 says, turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. This verse is the story of my emotional life, my recovery testimony. Like every human being ever born, I long to be loved for who I am and then find the resulting peace that true love will bring. I began very early learning I had to perform to receive my parents' love. Because it took some kind of false performance instead of peace, I became very anxious as a little boy and then grew into a very anxious man. Fear and anxiety became my masters and thus my pursuit of peace through the world's methods would end up nearly destroying me and everyone who loved me. I grew up in a home that was very much a post-World War II, leave it to Beaver home. I know you've never heard of it, Scott. But uh, <laughs> everything looked very pretty on the outside, but inside there were family secrets. This home, which on the outside looked so nice, was ruled by my father's rage and unpredictable moods. Each of us had one choice, to both behave and feel properly, or you receive some kind of instant punishment. Very early, this taught me that I had to hide from myself in these feelings that were so real, but must be bad, or why would he treat me this way? I learned that the single best defense mechanisms I could figure out to control my dad's anger was to smile and run. I ran by retreating into myself. I began pretending I was someone different than I was, hiding behind my smile while I was at home, but I also ran as I began to rebel and act out at a very young age when I was away from home. I began living two separate lives. In the midst of all this, a major part of my home life included perfect church attendance and involvement on Sundays, but I never received Jesus as a child. As I grew up, my dual life continued to grow in its magnitude. 
In eighth grade, I got drunk for the first time and it was a life-changing experience. As I drank alcohol, my anxiety floated away and was replaced by newfound liquid courage. Remember Psalm 34, seek peace and pursue it? Alcohol gave me some level of temporary peace, so it was easy to predict why I began to look forward to the peace it provided. Sadly, a side effect of alcohol and its false peace was that I began to act out in new ways, becoming more and more juvenile delinquent in my private life, all the while continuing the performance in my home, church, and school. As I reached adolescence, a series of defining moments in my life occurred. Within a week of my 16th birthday, my mother came into my room and offered me the first choice of my life as an adult. Now, 53 years later, I remember it like it was yesterday. She said, Scott, you're 16 now, and your dad and I believe you're old enough to decide for yourself whether you want to go to church anymore. Well, looking back now with sadness, it's not very hard to understand why my decision was to rebel against my parents' authority with this new, newly offered freedom. Already being a rebel in my life away from home, I immediately chose to rebel and show them from what I knew they wanted. This was very empowering. I walked away from God and the church without looking back. I would not go back to the church of my youth for over 25 years. Little could I have known what lay in store as simultaneously my life began a downward spiral that was scary in hindsight, even though I was totally unable to see it at the time. Within months, another defining moment in my life occurred and little did I know the impact it would have on my life. I had my wisdom teeth out. Being healthy, I'd never been to a doctor beyond my yearly physical, so I didn't know what to expect when my parents told me I was gonna have a dental operation. But boy, do I remember waking up. I remember coming to consciousness and I was filled with new, very intense feelings, feelings of warmth and peace that I now know was drug-induced euphoria and it was running through my body. I felt so wonderful that I confused those feelings with the love that I'd never found before. I remember literally feeling in love with the world and even the pillow I was lying on. Looking back, little did I understand how these feelings that those pain narcotics brought into my world would become life-changing to me. Soon, I would learn the hard way how worldly things that we see in a moment as solutions actually have the power to become our biggest problems as they become our idols. So it was to become with me. It was 1968, yes, I'm old, a different era for a 16-year-old than today, and I was not at a point in my life that had even crossed my mind to pursue opiates. But being 1968, right at the same time, one of my friends handed me my first joint. The first time I smoked pot, I now know, in hindsight, I was instantly addicted. Marijuana and the temporary relief of anxiety and pain it provided would become my drug of choice for the next two years. A couple of years later, when I was 18, I found myself out of my parents' home and on the streets, and in the next few years, my life would become a total pursuit of alcohol and drugs to both have fun, but more deeply to seek peace and pursue it through easing the pain and the anxiety that was my master if, it was, if I was not high. Now, out on my own, hanging with other addicts, I was very quickly found my drug of choice, heroin, opiates, and in a matter of days, I was shooting Dilaudid every day. At 19, I found myself homeless and addicted to Dilaudid, which just like the day I had my wisdom teeth out, brought me the closest to really feeling no emotional pain. Make no mistake, there is a very sick coincidence that opiates are called painkillers, physically and emotionally. Spiritually, I began to deny the existence of God. I became a proclaimed atheist, 
I became a loner, running from all relationships unless I was high, and no longer even thinking about the wreckage my choices were causing. I became a nomad, a runner. I ran as far as I could from my emotional pain through the alcohol and drugs, but I also ran as far as I could from the pain of my home moving to Alaska. God used this experience to begin to change me slowly. In Alaska, I began to gain some sense of value because I got a union job working on the pipeline where I stayed sober because I, we worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But as soon as I hit Fairbanks with all that money, it was a party like I'd never known before. After three years of living there and making what seemed like a fortune on the pipeline, I moved to Denver, Colorado. This began the season of my life I now know was my love enters my life era. I got a great job working with handicapped adults and children, which began to soften my heart and get me in touch with those deep, hidden feelings that I had run from for so long. And at this job, I met a wonderful, respectable woman named Susie, who was actually one of the bosses of the, largest of the large organization I was working for. I fell in love with her, and while she loved the wild side of me, which included the drugs and alcohol, I also began to present my false front to her because I knew she could not possibly love the real me. In Denver, I learned how to live as a functional addict. I quit shooting drugs and moved on to pharmaceuticals and anything else I could smoke, drink, snort, or eat as I was still needing something on a daily basis. Sadly, I was oblivious to the control these drugs had over me, denial. Alcohol and painkillers were my drugs and like every addict, I had to find a supply and opiates were not available like they are today, thank God. Like every drug addict, I had multiple illegal scams to supply my ever-increasing demand. I was now a classic functional addict. To everyone I, look, I looked, uh, to everyone I looked and was fine, maybe even better than fine. I presented myself well. I, I suppose a good husband, father, successful businessman and athlete. I had everyone fooled, especially myself. Denying the truth that while these fronts were important, the most important truth in my life had become having those pills in my pocket. So I knew the relief from my pain and anxiety was coming anytime I wanted. If I had a few days supply on hand, I was at peace. And if I was running short, I was focused on the number one mission of every addict, figuring out how to get more. And of course, my need was ever increasing. Then one day, in one moment of time, the truth hit me like a ton of bricks. I had a panic attack while I, where, when I actually accepted that my life was out of control, breaking the law, and I was going to get caught and my greatest fears realized. When this truth actually hit me, I can still see it in my mind's eye. I was standing in my bedroom in Colorado, and the fear literally froze me as I faced the truth that I could not live without drugs. I knew I had no hope of stopping on my own, but I could not keep doing what I was doing without getting caught and exposed. And out of that intense and paralyzing fear, without even thinking, I cried out a prayer to a God that I did not even believe existed. Two weeks later, November 30th, 1990, God answered my prayer. But it was not as I would have chosen. I was arrested. All my greatest fears were realized. The house of cards that was my life came tumbling down. I found out the greatest fear of my life was losing my family and my freedom by going to jail. I had no choice but face that if I did not change, I was headed towards losing both. Miraculously, within weeks, for under, unrelated reasons, I lost my job. God knew what I needed. 
I was at the lowest point of my life. This was my rock bottom. The courts ordered me into therapy, rehab through AA and NA, and mandatory drug testing. I went to both individual and group therapy sessions for a year. I must tell you that I hated going to meetings, and I hated the healthy people in the rooms who had recovery. I was sick. I hated the people who talked about how sobriety was a positive thing. I hated people who introduced themselves like I did tonight as a grateful addict. I hated it because I still did not want it. I also did not think it was possible for me to ever lose the desire that still raged within me. Yet thank God, because I had no options that I could figure out, I kept coming back. I listened in my anger and began to work the program as I was instructed. I found myself praying the first consistent prayers of my life while holding hands at the end of meetings, praying with a bunch of drunks like me. And I was praying the very words of our Savior, his prayer. I love this program. I kept it so simple because that's all I could do. I did 90-90 because they told me to. I got a sponsor because they told me to. I continued to go to at least five meetings a week for my first full year of sobriety because they told me to. I worked the steps because they told me to. I got into service because my sponsor told me to. And as I kept it simple and followed the advice of those in these rooms, something began to happen. Within my first few months, I reached the fourth and fifth steps. And here, I came face to face for the first time in my life with the real me. This first time was massive in my life experience because I had lived in denial and duplicity for over 20 years and to really face who I was and admit it to myself, to God and another human being blew me away. It was so powerful because for the first time I quit running. I quit running from myself and I quit running from the pain. I faced who I really was. As painful as this was at the time, it was equally enlightening and powerful in my life. Over time, God brought me a good job, and for the first time in my adult life, I found myself operating with a sound and sober mind. God began to really bless me, but God was still just a higher power as I understood him. He was not personal. I continued to go to meetings regularly as I traveled for my new job, but I did stop short of doing the work of the eighth and ninth steps where the real promises of recovery are found, so I was still filled with anxiety. I was quickly promoted in my new position, and in 1994, I transferred from Colorado to California. Through a miraculous set of circumstances, our family chose to live in Modesto. Then through another miraculous set of circumstances, we began going to church here at Big Valley. We quickly felt at home here and loved here. And it was here in the summer of 1994 that I prayed to receive Christ as my personal Savior. I couldn't wait to be baptized as the church instructed as a step of obedience and faith. And on September 25th, 1994, I made the public statement as I was baptized with my son in the Stanislaus River. I was just 28 short years ago. The changes in my life had truly begun. I had received the gift of my salvation, but any peace was very temporary. I was still very much struggling with the fear and anxiety that still ruled my inner being. Since I had never really experienced it, I still had no idea how to find true peace. Then one day, through a sermon, the Lord spoke to me, and I'd had enough. God said, give it all to me. I knew in that moment that I'd given him my addiction, but that day, 
I had a lot more to give, to surrender. I felt the pull to surrender my family, my possessions, and my career. But most importantly, I threw my fear and anxiety at the foot of the cross. I said a quiet but deeply profound and personal prayer and told him, Lord, I'm exhausted. Please, you can have it all. I give up. And in that miraculous, sorry, I can't see. Uh, in his miraculous way, he was faithful to his promises. And the first time in my life, without drugs, I received what I'd always been pursuing, peace. I now know it was at that moment I had for the first time worked the most important of all the steps, the third, the power step. I turned my life and my will over to the care of God, Jesus Christ. I surrendered. And the power of his grace and peace filled me. It was a spiritual awakening like nothing I'd ever experienced. Practically, wow, did my life begin to change at a rate that is absolutely unbelievable to me to this day. This spiritual experience was so profound I was on fire. I found my pastor, who Susie was working for at the time, after the service and told him, told him something happened, I gotta see you. And he told me to come in the next day. I told him of my experience the next day. In response, he laid out a three-year plan for my growth as a Christian. I told Jesus that I would do anything and everything he asked if he would just let me know clearly what it was. And I was trusting this church for the direction. It was four very short months later that my pastor called me into his office and asked me if I had ever thought about becoming a pastor. Talk about blown away. You've heard my story. They hadn't. You, could, you would have to be inside my head to know how blown away I was. During the interview process, I was honest, and I said, you wouldn't want me. I now know that's what they want to hear, but I didn't know it at the time. And, and I told the senior leadership through the process about my past and who I was, and they either were not listening or they did not care because they hired me. <laughs> on, on October 1st, 1996, just two years and five days after my baptism as a brand new believer, and one month shy of six years sober, I went to work for one of the great churches in America as a paid ministry leader. And 18 months later, after completing the licensure process, was given my license as a pastor of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Forget not all his benefits. Friends, as you look at me, and hear my story today. If you hear anything, nothing else I say, please hear this. I'm just a regular guy. I'm you. I'm no different than anyone else. Some of you may think I'm way worse than you now that you've heard my story. <laughs> I'm a recovering addict who has turned my life and my will over to the care of the only true higher power, Jesus Christ. May you not forget his benefits. In the past 27 very short years, one day at a time, he has healed me in so many ways. I've now worked the eighth and ninth steps where the promises of recovery are found and I've cleaned up the wreckage of all my broken relationships and today I know how to forgive as far as it depends on me to live at peace with all men. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Claudia. Um, by far his greatest benefit is that through his love he has been faithful to my family. 
the most important people in my life. Today, Susie and I have a wonderful relationship, and my boys are both following the Lord as very successful pastors, incredible, themselves. And they and their wonderful, God-fearing wives have each given us three grandchildren that are being discipled in their faith in God-centered homes. What a change. And it can't get better than that. Through learning to apply a daily 11-step, I seek through prayer and meditation to improve my relationship with him, continuing a daily surrender, seeking only the knowledge of his will for, for me and the power to carry it out. I have an incredible and personally encouraging relationship with the God who made me, saved me, and continues to reward me with all his benefits. Physically, God has healed me completely from hepatitis C, which I got from shooting heroin, and I did not get sick from the chemo. I could go on and on, but I have to add that he has allowed me to find fulfillment of my quest to seek peace. Today, feelings aren't my enemy. They allow me to know I'm fully alive and no longer run from them and let them control and master me. 19 years ago next month, God had Susie, myself, and a small team of recovering addicts begin to celebrate recovery here. A short time later, God knowing the future brought a broken young pastor named Scott S., who was at his rock into our world. Ultimately, over the next few years, God brought person after person after person as he miraculously grew one of the most successful ministries of its kind in the world. God has used it to change the very face of Big Valley Grace in our city, but much more importantly, he is using it to reach people so he can change their lives just as he did mine. Miraculously, God opened doors for me to serve for almost a decade as a state rep for Celebrate Recovery, and today Susie and I still continue to serve as CR International Representatives to the nations of India and Nepal, where we're sharing the gospel through Celebrate Recovery to the nations with the largest group of non-believers left on the planet. In recovery, I continue to learn the tools for a healthy life. I continue learning about my codependency, all us addicts are, and how it's my choice to give up my peace, almost always by trying to control things only God can control, be it circumstances or more often when I give my peace away to another person who is bringing their own struggles into my life. To the newcomer, I give this most important advice. You are the most important person in the room tonight. Please know that you are loved and keep it simple and keep coming back. So there can be no mistake, what does that mean? Keep going to meetings, get a sponsor, work the steps, and get into service. It can't be put more simply, and I exhort you, please don't give up. Today, for me, with Jesus Christ as my guide and all of you in recovery with me as my supports, I no longer fear who I really am and what I'm feeling. I can stand in front of you and tell you I know the truth, and he has set me free. Today, I find true pre- the true peace that surpasses understanding in so many places other than drugs, since I'm love, I find it first and foremost in my relationship with God, the only true source. This peace is not constant, nor is it necessarily every day, but it is enough for today, one day at a time. And today, I possess the tools of recovery which allow me to seek it and find it through its real source, which is God, not the world and its temptations. 
Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work within us. He is faithful and he has done more than I could ask or imagine through his power at work in me as he has changed me. He took the man who had nothing but anger towards people who said there was a God or that claimed God worked for them through this program and he made me one of those people who now shares this so you might believe it's possible. As for me, my story can be put simply. I once was lost, now I'm found. I was once blind, now I see. Not that long ago, I was lost and hopeless drug addict. The pain and fear this produced caused me to pray a prayer for relief to a God I did not even believe existed. That God, who very much did exist, then brought me into AA, and then AA and the 12 steps brought me to God, and then God brought us to CR. No matter where you are today in your recovery from whatever your life's pain is, may all of God's benefits not be forgotten. Tonight, might his benefits in through my life miraculously give you encouragement, strength, and hope that the transformation we all seek deep within our souls, that only a God who loves you can offer, is available to you through these very same sources. He promises you they are, and he is faithful. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Scott, for sharing your story with us. And um, you know how special that is to hear that story and what a what an impact he took a uh, baby believer and hired him here at the church and how God used you to impact so many people's lives. So thank you for being faithful. Um, let's close our time with a serenity prayer. And then uh, first time guest right across the hallway, second time guest here up front and uh, we'll head off to our open share groups. But let's say the serenity prayer. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen.